You are now listening to the Heroes for Sale podcast. Whether you are a new collector or a seasoned pro, on a daily basis, I cover topics to help you grow your hobby knowledge and strategies to make you money in the market. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. My name is Adam. I am your host. I am bringing on a very special guest here, someone who was part of the Tops 2020 project, a sports designer, someone that is very talented in that field. Blake Jamison, how are we doing today? Doing great. Thanks, Adam. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know if you, I don't know if you remember this, but on my Instagram post, I actually want to give you some props here. The, I think two of the, of at least my top 10 from that tops 2020 project were actually two of your cards, the, um, awesome. the Nolan Ryan and then the Mark McGuire were two that I thought you did a really phenomenal job. And I mean, the Nolan Ryan, I think was actually third on that list. And that was one of the first ones that came out that I was actually like, wow, like these, these artists are doing a really great job. So, you know, definitely want to give you some props on that. Thanks, man. Yeah. I mean, those are, those are two of my favorites as well. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. It's great to hear. So how did you, you know, I have a graphic design background and sports design has kind of been something that I've done in the past, uh, moving into sports cards here, but like the sports design background, kind of, how did you get started doing that? I guess maybe talk about your, your, uh, design background and then sort of how'd you get into sports? Sure. Well, uh, I have a marketing background before I was a full-time artist. I actually quit a pretty moderately successful career in digital marketing uh, to pursue art full-time at the age of 30. So I'm 36 now. I've been doing it for six years. And so from the marketing background, I knew that it was important to, with my art, focus on a particular niche. And sports wasn't the first one I had chosen. I actually was working with uh, a lot of startups and tech companies and offices. And while I was delivering art to a client, I met this guy who is a ex NFL player and and a current manager of players. And he really liked my work and kind of essentially helped me get my foot in the door. Uh, It was doing some paintings for free at first to get, get it in front of the right clients. And, um, you know, exchange for that, have a little bit of social media promotion, a little bit of clout and credibility, and just kind of leverage that, um, you know, throughout the, throughout the NFL first and then into other leagues. And it was actually work of mine that I had done for a lacrosse uh, league, premier lacrosse league, that one of the top's employees uh, who's a lacrosse fan had seen. And that's how he kind of found my work and invited me to be part of Project 2020. Oh, nice. That's that's awesome. So the the work you were doing, was it mainly uh, one-offs or are you kind of like with the premier lacrosse league, you know, Paul Rabel's sure. league. I'm a big fan yeah. of how yeah, he yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. runs that was, whole so organization. It's Super cool. Yeah. So I'm interested to hear like, uh, what, what was actually the, I didn't, I didn't really know that. So what was the, what was the work that you were doing for that league? So it was actually a picture of Paul for Paul. Oh. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and then I did one for Michael as well. And so they have them like hanging in their office in LA, like behind this desk that they're always filming content on. And so like that gets a lot of exposure, which is great. Um, uh, I forget where I was going with that, but yeah, I mean, basically like it was, those were the first, those were the first lacrosse portraits that I had done. Um, I played lacrosse in college. And so I was a Paul Rabel fan and we connected on Twitter and um, I knew they were like just setting up the league and setting up their office. And so I just like offered to uh, once again, like work for free to get my name out there. And that obviously paid off um, as well. (laughs) I think it's like, you know, it's a, it's a trend throughout my art career of like, usually every time my career takes a little jump and I get to some next level uh, of exposure, it's because of like working my ass off and not getting paid for it. 
you know, for a long time, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of free work um, over the years. And, and I don't even look at it as free work. I look at it as marketing expense, uh, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. And I mean, I, I have the, I've moved into more marketing related areas, like in my professional life and in kind of sports cards yep. and stuff like that. So, you know, when you said that the doing the free work was really how you jumped into that, like next level, like that, you know, I've been, I graduated, I, I went to school for graphic design and then I kind of got into like social media and doing social media mm -hmm. design, stuff like that. So, you know, yep. I think all the times that I can think of, like, at least from doing like logos and stuff, one of my, uh, one of my close friends in the sports card industry, Trees Collectibles, I actually did his logo mm -hmm. and he brought me on like more clients than I can even really think of. So, you know, when you right. said like that specific thing about like doing the free work, it just, it, it makes total sense. And it's, it's such a weird thing when you're kind of hopping into like trying to make money as a designer. And it's like, you know, the free work is actually what leads to more like high end stuff, which is sort of right. a kind of an odd thing there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's strange. And I think that a lot of, um, I think the, a problem in the artist world is that people don't really want to give stuff away for free, but they are willing to discount their work a lot. So they'll give you a painting for a hundred bucks. And then, I feel like that's like the opposite effect of like giving, you know, if you give someone something for free that has this perceived value of thousands of dollars, they're going to be stoked and, you know, pay it forward in some way. And if, if you give somebody work that you've disc significantly discounted, that's like you are having them give you money for it, but it's a, like a very small amount. I just don't feel like those people aren't going to be hyped to like tell their like friends or teammates or whatever to be like, check out this guy. Um, I think they're just going to think, you know, it's cheap work. Yeah, totally. I mean, that makes, you know, like I said, as coming from someone, not the, not the same background as you, but like a kind of a similar marketing uh, sports design related, it, that advice, I think definitely holds true in a lot of different industries. So, you know, that, totally. that uh, premier lacrosse league led to some of the work you're doing with tops. So was the tops 2020 project or project 2020, was that the first work that you had done with tops at the time? Yeah. It was. Uh, and honestly, like, so Jeff had seen my uh, work in one of Paul Rabel's videos, sent a, did like the email or like a, what is it called? Contact form on a website and just filled out a form and like, you know, subject line, it was like tops collaboration. And I'm like, this is fake. <laughs> like I didn't even, you know, I didn't think it was real, but um, yeah, I mean, it was great timing. I think with 2020 being such a crazy year for a lot of businesses uh, to have, something like that as an artist where, you know, I had basically work for the entire year for this project and I would be, I didn't know how well the set was going to do. And so even with much tampered expectations, like thinking about what print runs might look like, I still knew it was going to be enough money to help me survive, you know, the year while other work was going to be, I knew few and far between, um, which in many ways it was, although once tops really took off, then that has led to other opportunities, um, both from, you know, new art collectors who found my work through the project and want to commission something to print sales, all kinds of stuff. But yeah, it was like, it was a life changing afternoon when I had that phone call with <laughs> Jeff, which I didn't yeah. necessarily know it at the time, but I, I did have a feeling I knew it was going to be really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And I mean, I have, I have a ton of questions about the, 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 project 2020 because it was you know honestly sure. when they first announced the set it was coming from the graphic design background i was like this is 
in my opinion, I was like, this is going to be the coolest set. I think that they're going to come out with the whole entire year. And like, you know, they right. kept announcing the artists and they kept announcing the concepts. So like, you know, going in, like how much, obviously they're giving you all the information, like, and, and actually kind of another part of it is, so were you working on all the cards? Did you work on them all at the same time? Or did they give you like a deadline of when you were going to be working on the cards specifically? I guess that'll be my first question on the, on the project. So we got and typically get for the future sets that I'm working on now at Tops is like they give us the list ahead of time. And then we have usually three of them will get due dates for. So for my current project with Tops, my first due date was February 1st, which just passed. My second card is due on February 15th. My third card is due on, Feb on March 1st. So it's like every two weeks. And last year <clears throat> with Project 2020, at first I was trying to get a bunch of them done just to have them done. And then I realized that like having the fans involved in like being able to make decisions of could be color choices or choosing between, you know, different concepts. So then I like slowed down, pumped the brakes and I was just submitting them as like working on them live basically so that the audience could participate. Um, I think this year with the new set project 70 that I'm working on, I will do, I will try to get as many of them done as early as possible so that I can just focus on promotion and content um, around them. And so I've really like in my studio here, I've stepped up my like game with like camera equipment and stuff to like really capture the whole process um, and make it look really nice so that like once that work is done, then we can shift our focus to like creating really cool content, video content around each card and the creation of it and then use that whichever week the tops card launches kind of, you know, have a bunch of promotional uh, supplemental content, you know, for the, right. yeah, to yeah, enjoy. Totally. yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So go, going into the project 2020, what were kind of some of your expectations uh, with, with the project overall? Yeah. Well, I thought, um, I thought the print runs just kind of in this, I didn't really have any frame of reference. So I would just in my head thought, from 200 cards being a low print run to 2000 cards being a high print run. I thought that's the range they would fall in. And I was okay with that. Um, obviously it exploded a lot, you know, beyond that. So my expectations were low. I think everyone's were, uh, I did not also anticipate how many of the other artists I would like connect with and build friendships with. And that part was a really nice surprise. And, I didn't know that it would make me want to start and actually start collecting baseball cards again. Uh, that has been a fun, um, you know, my collection has never been bigger. So yeah, I mean, there's so many things going into it where I just, I don't know. I was looking at it as it's a job. I'm hired to paint 20 paintings, two per month for the entire year and anything beyond that's extra. Yeah, that's, uh, that's awesome. I mean, the, the 200 to 2000 print run, kind of when those first few cards started coming out, that's sort of what I was expecting. And it I know, like honestly, yeah. it, I didn't expect the, the value of those to really do what it did. And it kind of, the set itself became probably one of the most iconic sets that Tops came out with. So, you know, when, at what point did you realize that this was going to be different than what you kind of expected going in? Like, was it when the, 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 or the, the Keith Shore Griffey, or was it like maybe a little bit before that? Like when things oh, kind of got a little crazy. It was definitely sooner than that. It was um, when I released my autographed version of the Nolan Ryan card, which is my first card. It was very early in the project and no other um, 
uh, artists were act were like selling autographs. And uh, Tony, who was my publicist through the project, I met through Twitter because of Project 2020, um, had really pushed the idea of, yo, these autographs are going to do really well. Um, so we did it. And we ended up basically launching them at the same time as Tyson Beck. And we I remember launching them one night and we decided before we put them on the website, we were just going to start messaging people on Facebook and Twitter, you know, DMs, Instagram, and just see if people are interested. And like, we didn't even get to put them on the website because they sold out so fast. Wow. And then there were like people that were upset that they were sold out that didn't get one. And so because like Tony and I were basically both just messaging people and then people would say, yeah, okay, I'm in for a red. I want the gold. I want a silver. And so like he and I both were taking orders and then we kind of like <laughs> compared notes and we're like, oh, we sold more cards than we even have. Uh, and then we had to go back and tell people based on like the time, you know, we went and looked at timestamps and did it in order. And so that was definitely that night because um, they all sold out before I went to bed the night that we, you know, the night that we listed them. And it was like, it was a lot of money. Um, it was, yeah, it was, you know, it was crazy. At the time, it just seemed unfathomable. And that when that happened, like, then I knew it was going to be wild. Yeah, I mean, it was, it like I said, it's, it was one of my favorite sets because of the graphic design element to it. And then it kind of became sort of this, like, set that people were making like a ton of money on which mm -hmm. i didn't expect i mean i i you know the the artists like you the artists like ben ball or like uh tyson beck they all have pretty decently sized followings on like on social media so you know i expected those people to get in on those cards because you know for someone like you right. or for someone like those two uh you know you're not just get, you're not just able to buy like a print for 15 dollars like you know, for Tyson Beck, he's got a, a crazy background. I mean, obviously, Ben Baller makes jewelry, so you're not buying a $15 piece of jewelry from him. So I right. thought that that was going to be a great opportunity for people to get in. And, you know, selling the the autographs, uh, was that something that Tops was like, you know, because the set changed a bunch of times. You know, there was a couple of collaborations. There was autographs. There ended up being uh, parallels that they put in there. You know, was it was it all up front? They kind of let you know, like, this is kind of halfway through. We're going to be doing this or like, no, did, no, you know, we was were, it just it was, was all it changes just totally made on, change? it would, they were changes on the fly. Um, everything, you know, um, the autographs. I mean, the artists, we just kind of took on started doing it ourselves, like if tops you know, looking back, I'm sure Tops wishes that they made an autograph deal with us so that they controlled the autograph market for those cards, um, which I would have, I'm sure at the time I would have been like, yeah, I get paid <laughs> 10 bucks a card to like just autograph a thousand of them. Like, of course I'll autograph a thousand cards, you know, or whatever they, whatever that deal looks like. Um, but yeah, I mean, at one point, I mean, and part of it's because we were all adapting to like things that were working more than, more than we expected. So it's like, um, you know, adding the wall prints was a fun, you know, a lot of people were asking for that online on forums and tops pays attention to what people are saying online and thought that was a good idea and, and ran with it. Um, I think that the foils and the kind of the inserts parallels and stuff that they ended up giving each artist one special card, basically. Uh, I think that was done because they saw how far the project could peak when it was at peak popularity. And after the bubble burst, you know, we'd kind of come down on print runs, uh, even though they still settled at a pretty high spot, I think, but I think tops was just trying to do whatever they could to like, give it a bump through the last maybe 20% of the project. And I, I honestly, I think it, that worked well. Uh, and it also made the economics of project 2020 work for flippers again, because 
if you do the math on any single card where there was a one in 20 chance at a foil, if you buy a 20 pack, if you get the one foil as you should, you know, over average over time, like you can sell that for more than the 20 pack cost by a lot, um, by a fact, you know, by like two X. And so like, I know near the end of the project, the print runs on those cards went well. And like a lot of people probably ordered hundreds of cards and then turned around and sold 10 foils made all their money back. And now they're sitting on like, you know, essentially free cards. Yeah. And then, so like I said, I think everybody knows project 2020, how crazy it got. So like when, you know, when you started seeing the print runs increase, like exponentially, like, you know, uh, that the Keith shore, like almost a hundred thousand, it got to. So like, what was your reaction to some of those like insane print runs? Cause I think the the Nolan Ryan had one. I think it was in the, it was it in the 60,000s or was it that, was that not, yeah. had that not yeah. hit the, yeah, 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 the yeah, that was, before? Um, I mean, it was wild. It was like, I mean, there was a time when cards were going sale on tops. Anybody could buy them. As soon as the auction, as soon as the 48 hours ended and the cards were not available for sale anymore, all of a sudden on eBay, those $20 cards are 50, are selling for $50 and actually selling, you know, like it, like instantaneously. And it was like, I mean, for some people for a minute, it was like printing money. And, um, and then, you know, that can only sustain itself for so long. Right, and so, yeah. you know, the, that caused more people to say, oh my gosh, I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy thousands of these cards. It's like, I bet that there's people of some, like that Nolan Ryan, that there was like 60,000 printed or whatever. I bet there's people that are not the artist that bought a thousand, like they own a thousand of those cards. Mm. Um, and I bet that there's probably a dozen people like that. Uh, I also bet there's people that are like that that own uh, some of the Mike Trout cards that I did that with Ben Baller that had like 75,000, 76,000 print run. Like, I think that people are bought those in mass quantities because they thought I'm going to turn like, this will pay my mortgage payment tomorrow, uh, you know, or whatever. Right. Um, it just sucks to get, you know, get stuck holding the bag. But honestly, I think, and this is maybe a, like a hot take. <laughs> a lot of people are too short kind of sighted to think this way, but if you look at like the junk wax era, 85 to 95, the cards were printed in hundreds of thousands or millions of copies, all of those sets. Those are going to be really hard to ever be rare. But I think that even like my Mike Trout card at a print run of 75,000, there will be a time during my lifetime that that card is, there's more demand than supply. Um, Cause it's just not, I mean, it's not that many if, uh, if my art career took off, right. And in a, in a totally major way, like some really big artists that, that, are out there right now and there were like seventy-five thousand uh andy warhol baseball cards that was the first card he ever made right like those those would be so hard to find you know seventy-five thousand is really not that many so i've always thought like i bought a lot of my own cards um you know and i have it spread out among all 20 cards and i might have like you know 500 of of a lot of my cards uh i think in like a year or two those are going to be double or triple what i paid for them and I'll, I'll might start some of them, but like, I think the project 2020 started something that is going to be special for a long time and nothing will touch this original set. Yeah, I totally. And I mean, your to your point about that, the, the set becoming widely one of probably the most iconic sets. I, I mean, I 100% agree. And I, that's something that right after the set was done, I was like, 
people are like angry about this set and they don't like so at some some people not all people obviously but some people didn't really like it because of what happened i think it was more just people not exactly like people who were trying to flip the cards didn't exactly understand the dynamics of the print on demand and Mm -hmm. i think that actually will lead to the set being like an iconic set like typically you'll see that with like and i mean i'm not gonna it's hard to kind of compare it to prism but like the first prism set from 2012 like the first uh tops basketball set from 19 or not first but first one back in 92 or the 96 tops chrome it's it's got kind of all of the ingredients for it to be like a set that in the future you know maybe it's not like uh, one of the $15 cards, maybe it's not like a thousand dollars, like some of the original ones, but I definitely sure. think that, you know, it, it could be worth two, three, four times the value because people totally. that got in, in 2020. And I think that's maybe one of the other things, a lot of people are going to, maybe they got in because that was one of the reasons why I really liked the set was because an artist like you or an artist like Ben Baller or Tyson Beck right. or, uh, uh, or F dot or any of these big artists that I, I you know, I love their work with Keith Shore. They're bringing yeah. new people into the sports card, the marketplace oh, yeah. and kind of getting them all involved. So, you know, for someone like you, like you said that it was, uh, you got back into cards because of the set. So like from, from what you've been doing, like what, what are some of the cards that you've been buying other than kind of stuff from the tops 2020 projects? Yeah. Uh, well, this is a great thing about the hobby is that like, I don't have to buy that much. There's so many people willing to trade. And, uh, and fortunately I have a pretty cool supply of stuff to trade because if people like collect sports cards, they like sports art. And if they have a really nice thing, I'd be like, okay, cool. Here's like a Michael Jordan, Jordan painting, a Michael Jordan print, or, you know, this, I just have a lot of like cool stuff that I can trade with people. So um, I collect uh, Mark McGuire, who's my favorite player from childhood and of all time. Uh, Josh Jacobs uh, for the Raiders. Uh, He is a big supporter of my art and cool dude. And I also just think he's, gonna be on the rise i just think uh, i have a ton of his you know i have a huge josh jacobs pc that i think will look like a good investment down the road which is, right. isn't necessarily really why i collect but you know it's cool to keep in mind totally uh john morant kind of same thing um buster posey just another bay area uh you know giants um during kind of the giants playoff run uh, when they're, where they were winning the World Series every couple of years. Uh, I, that's right when I had moved back to California from Arizona at the time, um, had quit my marketing job and started painting. And so it, like I have a lot of memories of like painting in that first studio and then also like going to uh, Giants games. Uh, and I just really like Buster. Oh, sorry, I think I muted myself. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, you know, I also collect like artists. So, you know, Gregory Siff, he did the World Series cards. Uh, ben Baller did his Chrome cards. Tyson Beck has all his fire cards. I have PCs of every single artist I can. Um, you know, uh, Sophia Chang did, has some amazing companion cards. Same with Ermzy. So like I have, I have almost everything for the artists that are involved um, also. And that's like pride, my pride and joy too of my PC is like the other art cards. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, the the sets that have kind of expanded from this original set with these artists that are in there, you know, it's awesome to see that 
all of you guys or some of the artists from the tops 2020 are coming back for project 70 mm -hmm. and you know it's it's it is definitely cool to see people like the ben ballers and to see like gregory stiffs get these other sets within tops yep. and you know to be completely honest i i love the designs and i'm seeing a lot of love for the designs in kind of the community and you know obviously you get the haters who'll be like oh this person's getting another set whatever but it's like mm -hmm. I, you know i see both sides of it but i'm definitely seeing more people interested in kind of mm -hmm. these other types of sets so i mean obviously great news for you you were able to design i believe it was the the one of the original top sets you were able mm -hmm. to redesign for that so you know what is it like getting your own top set like what's what's that feeling like man it's awesome uh yeah so that was the 1951 tops which was the first year they had the mlb license and now in 2021 it's the 70 year anniversary and so this whole year with tops is structured around like celebrating 70 years of baseball cards. And I thought it was a really big honor and cool thing, cool way to kick it off by like me personally getting to redesign their first set. Um, it's surreal now, you know, there was, there was these moments in project 2020 that happened. And then all of a sudden you're like, Whoa, that's crazy. And the good example is like the first time I ever got my Nolan Ryan card and held my own first card in my hand. That was a crazy feeling. Um, I feel that coming again because I see on Twitter, people are receiving wave one of the 1951 cards because they're releasing waves and I'm jealous. I mean, people are ripping cards <laughs> and they're pulling like there's numbered cards of me one to 100 that are like inserts that are artist cards. And so, you know, I, so far I've seen two people pull them and I'm, I'm thinking, oh no, there's wow. only 98 left and I, I better <laughs> get one. Uh, I have a hundred boxes to rip of that out, but there was a print run of, 70, 7,500. So the chances are not great <laughs> for me to get one. I do, it's definitely not a sure thing. So right. it's, it's going to be like, it's going to be a cool feeling opening, like actual opening packs, two of my own cards versus getting a single card that I ordered. Yeah, I think Tops has done a great job collaborating in the past year. I think if we're comparing Tops and Panini and Upper Deck and Leaf and all of these other companies, I think Tops's collaborations really put them like a step above what these other companies uh, just because or at least from, from the marketing and kind of all that standpoint, because they, they're doing exactly, they're doing influencer marketing in a way. Like they're, Absolutely. they're, they're getting artists and they're getting people to collaborate with them. You know, they had the Steve Aoki set, they've had the Gary Vee set, they've had, you know, Ronaldo Messi sets. So, you know, for you, um, are, are, what, what is it <laughs> like? It's, it's gotta be really cool to get the sets and then, you know, see see the product that you're able to produce and is that something for you it's like where are, are you someone that kind of is likes to produce physical art i mean obviously you have a studio uh compared to like just doing digital stuff because i mean like for me i did a lot of more digital stuff compared to physical sure. stuff but like yeah. you know i've designed t-shirts before and you get that and you're like wow i can't believe that how this turned out so you know i'm interested yeah. for you is that something that you know you are looking to do more of or is it kind of something that you focus on in general when you're doing art like that um, I'm definitely a tactile guy. I like to, I like to touch it and see it. And I feel like while I do know that digital is important and I have, you know, I have like an iPad that I, I work on sometimes in bed and I would love to be better at digital art. Cause I think there's a lot of advantages to that, uh, storage space being one of them, right, but, right. um, I find myself in the real world being drawn to just doing things bigger and bigger and bigger. So like, this is a kind of a new studio and, we're, we're setting up capacity to be able to paint some really big stuff. And I'm excited to make some huge works. Um, it's going to be a little bit harder to find homes that the work fit in, but right, another yeah. perk of like, 
working with pro athletes and doing that kind of as my niche is uh, they have big houses and a lot of walls. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so that's good. No. So the the production of the cards themselves, I got a couple other questions for you and then we'll wrap yeah, things no up. Worries. But, you know, the production of the cards, was that something that you did like on a large scale and then shrunk it in digital? Like, I'm just very interested because yeah. I'm yeah, sure yeah, everybody yeah. had a different process. But for you, what was that yep. like? Yeah, so I did it uh, pretty large scale. I was painting the Project 2020 cards uh, 18 inches by 24 inches for the portraits. The final uh, card I did on this foam board and I strategically picked it because they were pretty big, but they were like really lightweight because I was thinking about having 20 of these being able to transport them to shows or whatever. Uh, so I did it on this foam board that's like 20 inches by 30 inches. So that's a pretty decent size. But for me, that was actually a pretty, like that was on the smaller end of any anything that I paint. Um, for 1951, because I had to do 52 portraits, uh, I actually decided to go smaller. So I did those on 12 inch by 12 inch wood panels. Uh, and those look really cool because it almost looks like a like a base, you know, because I painted the panels white first, then I right, painted right. portraits on top. And then for Project 70, like I said, I've, I feel this. And the only reason I went smaller is because there was 52 of them, and that's just so many. Um, but with Project 70, I'm going bigger than I've gone before, and I'm doing 30 inches by 40 inches, which is – that's like more typical of if someone hires me to make a painting. That's in the range of where it might be. And so I'm excited to have a full set of 20 giant, you know, moderately giant paintings. Um, <laughs> that's going to be a fun, fun thing to look at on a wall, a big wall. Yeah, totally. And so do you have like the original like paintings that you did for Project 2020? Uh, yep. So is that like something that you have on display somewhere or is that something that, it's, or it's does Tops have those? Like, It's in storage know. right now, but uh, it's something that is probably going to be put up sometime this year. Um, I just need to figure out where it's going to go. Uh, Cause it's kind of this big cohesive thing and right. the way I have it now in my house. Like there's just, there's random art, you know, everywhere. So I need to like choose a, a destination for it. Right. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. So, you know, you've got project 70 obviously coming up I mean, you probably, I don't think they've announced really any of the big info for that. So I'm not going to ask you about any, mm -hmm. any insider info for the podcast, but you know, yeah. uh, what has that process, has that, has that process been, you know, you said that you were making them a lot larger than you were before. How much is the process going to be different, you think, for Project 70 compared to Project 2020? Well, I think Project 2020 taught me how to basically make a factory for these <laughs> cards. Like, I just have a much better understanding of how doing art, even big, big scale, how it's going to translate down to a two and a half by three and a half card. And so in a lot of ways... Uh, and from a design perspective, I have kind of simplified the, the aesthetic of the portraits and um, yeah, just figured out like a, a really good system that works for me and my space and just the way that I like to create work. And so it's not actually taking me any longer to create a 30 by 40 painting than it did to make the 20 by 30s that I had for 2020. Uh, and a lot of that is just from like having systems and having practiced it now, you know, a bunch of different times over and over right. again. Uh, right. And then, you know, with 1952 doing like 52 paintings, I had to do that in within the month of December, I did all 52. And wow. so that was an exercise in getting my systems, you know, my ducks in a row. And, and right. like I said, like treating it like a factory. And like, I woke up every morning and I had my tasks and I'm like, okay, I need to cut 12 stencils. I need to paint 
eight portraits. I need to prime like 10 canvases for tomorrow. And I just have my system and, uh, it worked. It's, it's great. Yeah, that's really cool. And so other than project 70 for this year, do you have anything else that you're excited, like any other major projects or kind of, uh, maybe smaller projects that you're, sure. that you're very interested that you're gonna be working on this year? Uh, I am, uh, I'm very excited about, a, another set of cards that I'm doing independently with, uh, professional bowler he's like the best bowler in the world actually his name is jason belmonte he's awesome and i did a couple pairs of custom bowling shoes for him last year we met because of this tops project essentially and so we're pretty excited to work together this year and i think as soon as project 70 really gets momentum and is rolling and i've finished maybe 10 of the 20 paintings already then i'm going to start working on that with with um uh, you know, with a totally separate, you know, it won't, it won't be a tops printed. We'll print them ourselves. We have a car manufacturer, but um, that's going to be a really fun project. So I think that's, that's the one I'm most looking forward to outside of the top stuff. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm excited to see kind of what you got cooking there. So a question that I ask all the guests that come on the podcast, uh, what is, what would you say is your dream card? Oh man, that's a good question. I mean, I guess a Jordan rookie um, is like, you know, to me, like the most iconic uh, and I like grew up, uh, during that phase of my life when bulls were like killing it, I was collecting basketball cards and Jordan was my guy. I, that's one collection that I would, you know, I lost over the years, TC. I'm sure like it wasn't anything crazy, but I think right. that's, that, that would probably be the chase card. Um, oh, or so in my 1951 set where they have the inserts of mine, I'm not sure if they're doing a one of one gold frame of each card. But if they are, if there's a gold frame of my own first baseball card, then that would be my dream card. Yeah, that would that that, that would be super yeah. awesome. Uh, yeah. So I want to uh, I want to thank you for coming on. Thank you for the time. Uh, make sure you tell ever tell the audience where they can find you on social media or kind of throughout the internet. Yeah, of course. So my website is blake.art. and on YouTube and Twitter are where I'm most active, and that is Blake Jameson. And then also athlete portraits on Instagram. Yep. So definitely go check out athlete portraits. You know, you get the behind the scenes, look at some of the project 2020 stuff. You know, you'll probably see all the project 70 stuff that's coming up. So Blake, I yep. really appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks. Thanks Adam.